Hey, listeners, ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless and then Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data, unlimited talk and text, delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone and any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number. Along with your existing contacts, ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. My team here, they're on Mint Mobile, and they like it. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proves to have excellent coverage with no-drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. To get this new customer offer and the new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash literally. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Jay, how are you, man? I'm doing well, Rob. I'm doing so well. I'm so happy to see you. I'm always uh, taken aback when you don't have your facial hair. Hey, everybody, it's me, Robbie Lowe. Uh, this is Literally. And today is Jay Chandasekar, the creator of Broken Lizard, the amazing improv comedy movie-making troupe. Um, Super Troopers is their, their, probably their biggest, funniest one, and I'm in the second Super Troopers ever made. Uh, he's also a great director, just has a movie coming out with Steven Spielberg that he made, um, directed me a bunch in The Grinder. R.I.P. The Grinder, gone before it's time. Um, and, you know, has directed New Girl, Arrested Development, Goldberg's, just a really funny comedy mind and a great dude. So let's get started. Did you ever, did you ever just think when you do the, the Super Trooper stuff that just to wear a fake mustache? You can take it off after work. Well, the problem is, is that, um, you know, fake mustaches are very difficult to crack jokes in. Uh, and, you know, they like are. when you when you see um, like, you know, an aging uh, comedic female or and male, I suppose, actress who's got like who's frozen this part of of their face, the, the jokes don't land quite as well. And so with a mustache, you need to have this sort of lateral move up and down in order to really and and you can't smile very much because the glue pops. It's so true. It's like whenever I've played a character wearing any, you know, facial hair that was like added on, all of a sudden my mouth looks different, which I kind of, for drama, I like because sure. it makes me speak differently. But if you're, you know, if you've got a smile or laugh, it's like definitely crack, crack, crackly crack. Yeah. Yeah. It's no good. That's why, you know, that's why there's no jokes in Civil War movies. Did you know that? Uh, that's, that's why. <laughs> I did. Because there's a lot of fake, the Hall of Fame of, of fake. Did you ever see the the beard Martin Sheen is wearing in Gettysburg? He, yeah. he literally has like a, a marmoset attached <laughs> to his lower to his mandible, um, mandible, whatever they were jawbone. Yeah, I mean, look, there's some incredible like like they put beards on in pieces to try to preserve the ability to move your face. But you're right, there are no jokes in those Civil War movies. I will also tell you this um, that the entire 
fake hair uh, mustache and beard uh, trade is run by the Russian mob. No. That you what? can't get a really good mustache or beard without going through the, the, the people who furnish those beards, which is, which is the Russian mob in, in show so, business. So, so before, and I'm assuming the way that goes down is first you have to buy a ton of drugs <laughs> to, gain, to gain their trust. Sure. And then, and then when you've worked your way through the, the easy shit, mm-hmm. then you get, you know, a fake mustache. Let us, let us fit you for mustache now. Well, that, yeah, I've also worn wigs where they're like, this is real human hair. I'm like, ew, I'm supposed to feel good about that? Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's, the, the, the hair in a lot of uh, wigs comes from, they always said it comes from Indian hair because it has a certain thickness and quality to it. And, and look, I, I, you know, Indians have, we invented yoga we invented tantric sex, chess, but uh, you know we take our pride where we get it. When I heard about the Indian hair, I was like, "How about that?" <laughs> You've just named some of the Mount Rushmores of what I've based my life on: tantric sex, yoga, yes. chess, not so much. Yeah, well, but but circling back, tantric sex. Okay, is there an equivalent of like the Hollywood Walk of Fame? Is there one? Well, there probably is, but I just I just don't really know it like the indians in um in bollywood i mean they make more movies than hollywood does i mean that's like the center of movie making around the world is is bollywood and so they're pretty cocky about it like they you know yeah they i have two things to say about that question well well the first one i'll say is this i consider myself even though no one else says it yet uh that i'm the indian jackie robinson of comedy in america Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. When I when I was starting, there were no Indian comics. If you wanted an Indian guy in your movie, you put uh, Fisher Stevens into brownface and and put him in the movie in Short Circuit, uh, or right. or right. uh, Peter Sellers, who by the way I think did a great job in that movie, The Party. I think you know, my dad when he saw he told me he goes, Jay, you have to see Short Circuit, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like why? And he goes, There's an Indian in it. I'm like, Dad, that's not an Indian. He goes, Well, it's as close as we'll get, and I'm like. You watch me, pal. Uh, but you know, like the Indian Hall of Fame. I, you know, I I had um, lunch with a with the in, an Indian famous Indian actor who was called the the Arnold Schwarzenegger meets Dustin Hoffman of India, right? And he came over because uh, he wanted to, according to him, he wanted to make a, a Bollywood movie, Hollywood style. And I was like, Yeah, man, uh, yeah, I'm your guy. And so we were talking about movies, and I'm like, you know. What American stars do you love over here? You know, like who's who's you know? I said, and he goes, "Well," I said, "Well, do you love Brad Pitt?" He goes, "No," and I said, <laughs> "I said, uh, what about Gwyneth Paltrow?" He goes, "No, no, no, no." We love Antonio Banderas and Penelope Cruz, and I was like, "Is it because hmm. their skin is sort of brown?" He goes, "Of course," and of I course. was like, "Oh." That's it. People like seeing themselves. You know, that that's just he didn't couldn't care for any of the blonde ones we had here. By the way, you're you're coming to direct my new show on Netflix. I'm so excited. We'll talk about that. But can you please direct me in your father's voice? Because I find it very inspiring. And action. (laughs) I will happily do that. It's both wise and funny, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, if the acting thing didn't work out, you know, I, I could have easily gone into the whole uh, sex cult in Oregon thing, I, I feel. Um, because, you know, for some reason, Americans <laughs> love it when Indians tell them the way it is. Uh, and the accent, the accent is... Tell me the way it is, please. <laughs> my mother once, you know, it was, it was, uh, we were in Chicago and I was at my apartment in Chicago. My mom came to visit me and it was raining. We were going out to lunch and I had a couple umbrellas and I, and I offer her an umbrella and she goes, we don't use umbrellas because the rain is as good as the sun. And I'm like, wow. So wait, we're going outside without the umbrellas. <laughs> and she goes... Our family doesn't use them. And I was like, I can't believe, first of all, that I've missed this. And second of all, let's go. And we just would get rained on <laughs> from then on. And, but, it's uh, so, it, but it's so beautiful. It's true. There's, it it, you can't argue with it. It's irrefutable. It is beautiful. I would argue that the rain is is more beautiful than the sun. Yeah, I prefer it too. That's amazing. Um, what's happening with uh, the Broken Lizard Gang? What's How's everybody? What's going on? Everyone's good. I mean, you know, that that movie we made together, Super Troopers 2, really 
you know, put an extra dose of adrenaline into Broken Lizard. Uh, we were still chugging along, but that movie, you know, it really did well for us. It did. It did well. I don't. We haven't done a real post mortem since since that, really, because we've both been so busy. But I mean, as you know, I had a blast in Super Troopers too. Um, I tell everybody when everybody says, you know, what's Jay like as a director or whatever, or what was that like? I always tell them the story about the time I came to the set and you were, you came up very solemnly to me. You greeted me at the car before I even could get out of the car. And I was like, uh Oh, something is up. Are we not shooting today? Is somebody sick or something? And you said, Hey, um, so, so the guys and I were wondering, and listen, if you're at all uncomfortable, you, you don't, you know, this is not a thing, but I, I but I do want to run it by you. Um, so we thought somebody would take out a fake penis and maybe you would box it like a speed bag. And I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yes, right. I'll be doing that. Right. Do you remember that? I do. And I, you, you said yes before I even could explain the context. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, that's a great thing about you, Rob. And, and I was saying to my wife yesterday that I'm going to be on literally and, um, She's like, well, literally is is the word that turned Rob Lowe into a comedian. And I said, well, what about Wayne's World? And she goes, yeah, that's true, too. And I said, I said, you know, my favorite thing apart about this is that I always describe Rob as a comedian trapped in a leading man's body. And he's willing, you are willing to go where the joke was. And that moment when you agreed to speed bag that that fake dick, I was like, exactly, exactly. It, I, by the way, I take, if, if my wife, who she won't do this, I don't think, but I wish if she put that on my tombstone, he was a comedian trapped in a leading man body. I would be so happy. <laughs> I, I think I take it as the highest oh, compliment. Well. Uh, speed. I, and, and then we also had a blast with the Halifax explosion yeah. bit. Yeah. Now am I, am I misremembering? D- does is Blinded by the Light in the end credits of the movie? Blinded by the Light is in the end credits of the film. And uh, you reached out to Bruce Springsteen and got us the rights for that song. Can I tell you something? I've been reaching out to Bruce to be on this show. I know Bruce. I've seen him all over the world. I know his family. He's very. He's a very tough get. I had not really done the math that that is exactly what... He must be a huge fan of yours clearly not mine but of of yours and super troopers to to i mean that's in the canon of springsteen blinded by the light particularly well, when i butcher the lyrics the way i do in the in that yeah film. you butcher the lyrics but before you butcher the lyrics manford man butchered the lyrics and 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 really had yes. quite a hit with the remake of it and so the legend goes that bruce is upset about the way manford man pronounced certain lines like uh wrapped up like a douche, another Roner in the night. And he's like, I'm not saying douche. And yeah, yeah, exactly. that's supposedly the thing. So I'm like, we're never going to get it, but maybe Rob can get, it. maybe, you know, and somehow we got the word, we got it. I'm like, incredible. That's incredible. It's so important to the film too. How did we come up with the fact that I, my character thought that Blinded by the Light was written about the Halifax explosion? Well, it's, it's a classic case of, of comedians working together there it was a, a kerfuffle and the the prime minister of nova scotia was like furious that we were making fun of it which we weren't comedy plus tragedy equals time right so this thing happened in the early 1900s i think we got to be able to make it happened before the i'll put it this way it happened before the titanic sank exactly and 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 though i don't have any titanic jokes eh, you know i've heard a couple We'd tell them if we did. Yeah. So, so the Halifax explosion. There's a a, a shipment of uh, like fireworks coming in to the. Uh, oh, it's even more gnarly than that. What, it's, tell me. Tell me. It's it is heavy ammun oh, heavy ammunition. artillery and ammunition mm-hmm. and bullets and dynamite for the front of the war in Europe, and it's been in the papers ammunition ship to arrive we prepare for the ammunition ship more explosives than have ever been transported and halifax bay is the biggest base 
first or second biggest bay in the world. In the world. It's uh-huh. massive. Uh-huh. And they found out a way to have a head-on collision with the ammunition ship in the world's biggest bay. And but but you can describe the way I, I think it went down. Well, the 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 this ship was coming in and a ship another ship was going out to meet it to I guess take some of the people off and bring them in, not sure. So the two boats were coming together, and as you told me, the captain of the boat that's coming out to pick up the the passengers and the captain of the boat with the with the ammunition, they couldn't decide which way to go. And the boat the boat with the passengers is like, well, I, maybe I'll maybe I'll go right. And then he saw the the ammunition boat going left. He goes, oh geez, maybe I should go left. And then the boat the ammunition boat's like, oh, if he's going left, I should go right. And eventually they. Ended up crashing into each other and, and creating friction, which caused sparks, which lit the ammunition boat on fire. At this point, all the people of the town come over to the shore to go, hey, there's a boat fire. Let's watch that. Little do they know that when that thing blows up, it is the biggest explosion on Earth uh, prior to Hiroshima. Yes, and it wipes out the everybody on the shore. Of course, everybody on the boat too. But that's right. Um, and in the movie, you say they were blinded by the light, like the song says. <laughs> well, there's a little bit of truth to the Halifax had the very first um, ocular. I'm not a doctor eye technology eye clinic in the world because of so many eye injuries wow from the halifax explosion brutal so um, um it, it's obviously stipulated tragedy but it but we did we did it did make it into our our yeah, movie and you told me that story and when i asked you to be in the film and you said this is a funny thing about canadians da, 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 no relation to the movie just this story. And I was like, that's a great story. So Brogan Lizard and I, we wrote this into your intro in the movie. And then, you know, we showed it to you and, you know, you, you had that line blinded by the light. And so we put that in the movie. We're like, well, now we should, maybe we should try to get the song and pretend he thinks that the song is about the Halifax explosion. And then we kind of work together, you know, the absurdity. It's my favorite type of comedy. It's like, it's a, it's a little bit rough, it's a little bit, oh my God, I can't believe they went there with an amazing amount of stupidity. Yeah. Like I love playing a stupid dolt. It's the greatest. Yeah. It's the greatest thing ever, don't you think? I think so too. I mean, I think so too. And and uh, but you have to be a stupid dolt who is who's somewhat competent. Summer is almost here. Are you ready to throw open your windows or throw them away? If they're drafty, foggy, or impossible to clean, talk to your friends at Window World. Window World specializes in home transformation with beautiful, energy-efficient windows, entry doors, and siding, featuring Energy Star certification and the good housekeeping seal. Call 1-800-WINDOW-WORLD Schedule your free consultation and tell them you heard about it here on Literally the Rob Lowe. Window World, America's exterior remodeler. Where else can you go surfing and skiing in the same day? Or check out a world-class art museum and camp out under a brilliant night sky same day. Or hike through the redwoods and get a luxury spa treatment. There's only one answer. California. No matter where you go across this state, you will find a way to play. I, look, I love California. Um, and I have not yet surfed and skied in the same day, although I do do both. So that is on my bucket list. It's the most beautiful place in the world. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. Looking for a sparkling clean bathroom without so much hassle? Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner is here to revolutionize your cleaning future. Just spray today, rinse tomorrow, and voila! Enjoy a sparkling clean shower and tub 
without any scrubbing. It's the secret to a hassle-free, clean bathroom that many are discovering. With over 33,000 five-star reviews, Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner has proven its effectiveness on shower glass, fixtures, tiles, and more, ensuring everything shines with minimal effort. This product has gained a loyal following thanks to its once-a-week application that makes it a standout in the cleaning aisle. Join the ranks of satisfied users who enjoy more me time and less clean time with Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner, available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. It's the perfect choice for anyone wanting to simplify their cleaning routine. Don't miss out on a chance to transform your bathroom cleaning with just one application a week. Pick up a bottle of Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner today and join the thousands who've already made the switch to Effortless Clean. I really love that character. And you, and you have those fake teeth. And, you know, like there's no vanity for you at all. You pull out these fake teeth and all these mangled suckers from a, from a hockey fight. And it's a really, you know, Guy Lafranc is a really, really great character. Guy, Guy Lafranc. It's such a good name. It's such a well, guys, if you're out there, guys and gals, if you haven't seen um, Super Troopers 2, you truly must. And, and a great thing about that movie as well is a lot of it was financed by the fans. Yeah. Correct. 50,000 people on Indiegogo. Um, pitched in and and financed, I'd say about uh, over half of the movie. I think Top Gun was made that way. <laughs> Top they were Gun. like, "Have you seen like, Top Gun yet?" I am dying to see it. Haven't seen it. I'm so psyched. I'm so happy for Tom that people are going crazy, and I'm. I just love if because if I see one more movie where somebody in like spandex drops down from the frame and hits the ground in that pose and then throws their arm out and somebody gets ejected on a ratchet, I'm going to puke. I will. So, I mean, I, I am so done with these, with these great actors in, in tights flying around. I'm done. I've been done, done for a while, but I'm just really done. I haven't, I haven't seen any movie that falls under that umbrella um, since Guardians and Guardians isn't one of those movies. Right. Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians isn't it's my 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 friend Pratt and uh, and James Gunn, um, who are both friends and so so great. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't get it. I, I really I love Downey and Iron Man. Sure, love him. Love him. Um, I loved Captain Jack Sparrow. You know, Captain love Captain him. Jack Sparrow. I tell everybody. I believe, and I'm not kidding, I, and I don't believe this is hyperbole, and this is a hill I will die on, is the single greatest acting choice an actor has ever made in the history of performance, ever. Because what you have to imagine is you're Johnny Depp, you love doing indie weirdo movies, some of them work, most of them don't, and at a certain point, that kind of well is going to run dry. You got to do something for the people. And Disney comes around and offers him. It's hard to remember now because Pirates of the Caribbean has become such a thing in our in, in our lexicon. But it was a movie based on an amusement park ride. That's right. And there had been the Haunted Mansion before that. Mm -hmm. And people are like, I don't know. And the first one was disaster. So they give him Pirates of the Caribbean. He says he'll do it. It's high pressure. He's never done a big studio movie. It's all of the like big wig, powerful Disney, Jerry Bruckheimer, the gatekeepers of, you know, mass success. And it's written like, you know, Prince of Persia, like what Jake Gyllenhaal did in that. Good looking, sure. bare chested, you know, handsome, swinging from vines or whatever the fuck. And Johnny's like, hold my beer. And comes up with Captain Jack Sparrow. <laughs> and th they must have, why no, they flipped their lid. They're like, is he drunk? What is he doing? <laughs> we got to fire this guy. They wanted gorgeous, chiseled, bare-chested, leading man, you know, bravado, Johnny Depp. And they got that. I'm telling you right now, it's the greatest choice in the history of acting. It's such a great way to frame it. Uh 
because I remember when he agreed to do that, I was like, I hope that fails. Uh, and it, it's 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 not like they were doing um, Space Mountain, which you're like, at least that's thrilling. I mean, the, yes. the, the Pirates of the Caribbean, you're like, it's for second graders and it's spooky for them, but this is not going to work. And I remember seeing it and I'm like, oh, this is... And, it, and the only reason it's not as good as Raiders of the Lost Ark is because that it's based on a, on a, on a kid's ride. If it were right. not, if it were original, you'd go, eh, it's sort of as good as Raiders of the Lost Ark. I know that's high praise, but I'll die on that hill. Oh, it's, it's, un, it's unbelievable. Um, because I know you so well, I didn't do any prep for this interview. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, well, first of all, we need to talk about Broken Lizard and the movie you made with my, our dear old friend Bill Paxton, who has passed away and who we love so much. Club Dread. First of all, Club Dread, where did you film it again? We uh, were looking for a, um, a resort, like an island-looking resort, and we ended up scouting uh, the west coast of Mexico, south of Puerto Vallarta. There's a place called El Tamarindo, which at the time That's was right. the only six-star resort in Mexico. It was built supposedly by Vicente Fox for only his family. And the security was very difficult to get to the resort because you drive down a road and then you'd enter a gate and then it was 30 minutes through the jungle. And then there was the resort where there were 30 cabanas all on the ocean. We took over the whole thing. It was during hurricane season uh, and then hurricane never came that year. Uh, And so we had all 30 cabanas and each one had its own plunge pool. Bill was two cabanas down. We're on the ocean. We were there for four months and Four it, months? Yeah, it was. Yeah, because we were prepping it. I mean, it was wow. the greatest film shoot, and I've been on a lot of great film shoots. The mm-hmm. greatest film shoot I've ever been on. And if you ask everybody in the cast, they go, "Yeah, Club Dread, Club Dread." I know that area a little bit. It's one of the most beautiful areas on the planet. Yeah, we had thirty-six holes of championship golf, and whenever I played, I was the only person playing in barefoot. Like it was, oh. it was on the ocean. It was magical, and Bill. You know, Bill was playing Jimmy Buffett in that movie. And um, it's amazing. It's you know, amazing. he was a big star, and suddenly this big star's in a broken lizard movie, and we're like, what's he going to be like? And he was the coolest, greatest guy. And he was, you know, some of it, I think, in his mind, he was trying to be in character. So he was like, you know, he was just partaking and in just, you know, just enjoying uh, yeah. life. And, you know, every day when we finished shooting and we were shooting on film. So when the sun got to a certain level, you couldn't really shoot anymore. We'd be on the beach and we're like, all right, we're wrapped. And the whole crew and cast would strip down to their bathing suits and go into the water for an hour. And Bill would be out there, you know, on a little raft, you know, and we just had a ball. I mean, we just had a ball. Let's make that part two. Let's do yeah, That's, I want. I want to. I want to strip and run into the water at wrap. I mean, we you just you prepped lunch at lunch. You put a bathing suit on under your things, and then everybody was ready. All the girls had bikinis on. They're like, "Let's go!" And and you know the problem with Club Dread Two is that ninety uh, percent of Broken Lizard were, was killed brutally in that movie, yeah. uh, and so it would have to be like ghosts or uh, or possibly a prequel to Club Dread where we're all somehow older and nothing, no, there's no conflict, but you know. Right. Maybe, Listen, maybe. they made a movie, they made a movie about a theme park ride. We can make a movie it's about a, this. such a good point. And, you know, I was thinking about today and, uh, and, and your Bill Paxton uh, imitation. And I, I was actually telling a friend of mine that you had called me when Bill had died. And uh, I was able to talk to Bill through you a little bit, which, <laughs> right, cause right. you're, your imitation yeah. is so fun, and and I I, I do you were, you were the one who told me the bit about Billy Bob and the poster, right? Do you remember this? Oh, it's the greatest! It's the greatest. This is um, yes, we're we're um because Bill Paxton and Billy Bob Thornton, old old friends, worked together uh, on a one of the great. I don't want to say it's a forgotten movie, but um, uh, the the Carl Franklin movie. Okay, it's is that one false move. One False Move. One False Move. If you haven't seen One False Move, it's one of the great movies ever made. Yeah. It's Billy Bob Thornton, uh, pre-weight loss, uh, pre-Oscar, and Bill Paxson. Spectacular movie. Um, but then they, 
And so they've known each other forever. And then they do one false move together. And, you know, what I love about Bill and what I love about all actors is healthy competition. I'm a big believer in it. I'm super, super down with healthy competition. I mean, on The Outsiders, you can only imagine what that was like with Cruz and Matt Dillon and me and this one and that one. Yeah. So that's where I come from. And Bill's the same way. And he was a little competitive with Billy. Anyway, they do the movie. It's the two of them. It's a two-hander. And the movie's about to come out. And Bill and I are driving down Sunset Boulevard. And we look up and there's the billboard for it. And it's their two faces. And Bill looks like, you know, leading man. And then next to Bill is Billy Bob Thornton, who's wearing these gigantic glasses with a Band-Aid, like, attached to one of them. And he's kind of given a slightly weird look. And and Bill says, Ah, God, he's overacting even on the poster. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it so much I can't stand it. Right? I mean, it's so... It's beyond belief. It's so so good. Uh, He was a great... Now, have you ever met Jimmy Buffett? Who, is, who his character was based on? Well, Bill and I, uh, you know, Bill knew Jimmy Buffett's sister, uh, Lucy Buffett. Oh. Uh, and so when the film came out, he wanted to, and we wanted to get Jimmy to watch it and sort of bless it. Uh, uh, and so Bill and I flew down to West Palm Beach um, and, and where Jimmy, where, you know, Fox had rented a theater. And so we, we Bill and I fly down and, and we get out of the, the, we're at the, walking through the airport and people kept, you know, coming up to him. They're like, hey, man, I love you in Twister. He goes, oh, thanks, man. Thanks. And he'd roll. He'd take a $20 bill and he'd hand it to them. What? And, I, and, and then we kept going down the thing. He's, oh, I love you in Simple Plan. He goes, oh, I appreciate that. And he'd hand him a 20. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he goes, always carry a roll of 20s. Those people are going to be your audience next time. When they have a movie, come, they're going to buy your tickets and then you're going to make more money. And I was like, I love it. I love you. I love you. And so then we go to this theater and there's Jimmy. And I'm like, hey, man, uh, I just want, well, you know, you know, we made some jokes. You know, we were a big fan, big fan of Cheeseburger in Paradise and Margaritaville. And I am a big fan of Jimmy Buffett, right? I love Jimmy Jimmy Buffett. I love Jimmy Buffett. Yes. And so the three of us sat there and it was it was Bill and Jimmy Buffett, me on the other side, and Jimmy just rolling. And Bill's like, ah. And we just had a I mean it's just the three of us in this big 300 person uh, theater, and it was incredible. He he goes, I love that movie. I'm like, yes, yes. I had no idea. That's so it makes me so happy. The thought of the three of you watching that movie. It was cool. I believe Jimmy Buffett, if, if I had to pick one person in all of entertainment and go, they're living their best life, without a doubt, there's, it's Jimmy Buffett. No questions at all. He, that man lives his best life. 100% sure. true. And, and he famously will fly his own plane, which I guess is a water plane, and he'll fly around the islands. Supposedly, he'll see a party and just settle down. And get out and be like, hey, I'm Jimmy Buffett. And they're like, come on in. If you, th- this, is what, this is how you know I may have too much time on my hands that I contemplate stuff like this. Like single greatest acting choice, Johnny Depp, Pirates of the Caribbean. If you could only write one song, if you, if you could only write one in terms of legacy and, and more specifically monetization, let me just be crass, mm-hmm. write one song that made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Without a, again, without a doubt, Margaritaville. Yeah, now I've been trying to roll through close? some other songs, but go ahead, go ahead. I, mean, I you dare know, you. I, what, what's another song? Margarita books, Margaritaville restaurants, Margaritaville. The, 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 on and on and on and on. It's true. There's there's no cats in the cradle beer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's true. He's got everything. He's got there's everything. no. I mean, did the Beatles didn't write anything they ever made a drink out of? No, that's very true. That's Rolling very Stones? True. Nope. By the way, there's no blinded by the light um, sunglasses. Oh, there should be, though. There should be. You see if Bruce will want to do that. Someone is not paying attention in the Bruce Springsteen merchant, merchandising yeah. Yeah. arena. That's that's for... Tell me about... Okay, I'm fascinated. Tell me about this Rotten Tomatoes thing. Okay, so... <clears throat> I created an app called Vouch Vault, 
And when I say created, I worked with two guys who are, you know, very savvy computer people, and we created it together. Uh, uh, it's called Vouchvault. So it all, come, it all comes back to this. About 20 years ago, I made the film Super Troopers. And we went to Sundance, and the screenings were incredible. Midnight screenings, everyone loved it. Everybody loved us. Fox Searchlight, we made the movie for a million two. Fox bought it for about three and a half. We were the toast of Sundance. I remember. And then we, you know, we recut it a little bit and we released it a year later. And the film comes out and the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, a hundred of them, give it a 35% fresh rating, including the New York Times, which is the paper I read every day. And it was crushing, right? (laughs) And I remember, and then later, not too long after that, they opened it up to the audience and the audience gave it a 90% fresh rating. And the audience was made of up of 200,000 people. So there's 200,000 people, audience, 90%. Rotten Tomatoes, the 100 critics, 30, 35%. And I'm like, who are these critics with their outsized power? I said, do these critics, did they go to school? Do they drink? Are they, you know, we had a, we had a review. Uh, they're strangers, right? They're, they're literally strangers. And I said, when's the last time you walked up to a stranger and said, hey, hey, what movie should I see? Like, yeah. it's not how right. you see, you talk to your friends. You tell, you know, I, we saw a review uh, for Beer Fest, which was an ode to binge drinking. That, that's the movie we're trying to make. And there was a movie review out of Arizona from a woman named Grandma's Reviews. And oh, boy. She goes, oh, you're all, by the way, you're already in trouble with that. Well, there you go. And she goes, I didn't like this movie. There's too much drinking. And you're like, Grandma, come on. <laughs> right? I mean, but that goes into your your aggregate score, right? And so 20 years ago, I said, you know what? I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to get revenge on this Rotten Tomatoes thing. It, I don't have a problem with reviewers individually. I don't. But Rotten Tomatoes, is because all, all that happens now is nobody reads reviews. They just, what's the tomato meter score? Uh, 35% I'm not going, right? And then it depresses the box office. And I've talked to reviewers about this and they're like, what do you care? You guys are com- comedy. You just make money anyway. It doesn't matter. We don't. You don't. Need- and 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 really, what it is is that reviewers get juice from trashing horror movies and comedies. Their 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 readers, whatever they are, go ah, that's funny. They trash it. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, as you know, making a comedy is dramatically harder than making a drama. Okay, so because yep, of the timing, the rhythm, the t- the tone, everything, it's hard. You know, if, if an actor forgets a line in a drama, you can just fire a violin in there and, you know, and then he picks it back up. You're, you know, you're like, oh, that's an Oscar. Listen, Marlon Brando looks at cue cards in the middle of a scene in Apocalypse Now and he's revered for, you know, millenniums. Burt Reynolds in, in, in his first day on Dukes of Hazard, he had like four, five pages of lines and said he didn't know a single line. And uh, so he taped his lines to Sean William Scott's chest and Johnny Knoxville's chest. And he'd look down there and go, I came to get you boys out of jail. And you're like, well, just burn, look up in the eyes a little bit. Uh, anyway, amazing. Well, so, that's amazing. Um, so uh, I, I um, built an app with these guys. And the premise is, is that, you know, not, not only uh, it, it's for books, movies, television, podcasts, music. That's what, that's what I wanted to do. And then my partners said, why don't we make it for everything? Restaurants, uh, hotels, hammers, screwdrivers, bikes, everything. So it's it's called Vouchvault. It's sort of the Instagram of recommendations, right? So wow. if you follow my me, at Jay Chandrasekhar, you'll see that I like uh, uh, Love Life, your book. Uh, uh, your, both your books, right? Uh, Goodfellas, uh, um, yep. Y Tu Mama Tambien, uh, City of God, uh, you know, this detective fiction book, this restaurant, and you'll be able to go message me and go, oh, you think I'll like it? Like if we're friends, obviously. But if you get a group of friends on there and you're all like, hey, this new sushi restaurant in blank in Denver, and you're like, oh, and you know, it's like it's a way when you're ready to go to a movie, you go, oh, let's yeah. see what my friends think of the movie. Or TV and also to, su- and to support things that might not otherwise like I love nothing more than seeing a little movie. And going, oh my God! I hope this thing pops somehow. And how can I? Yeah, help. That's right. right? That's right. It'll uh, it'll 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 create a community of people who've seen that little movie, and then suddenly, hopefully, it'll it'll spin out more. I mean, it, 
it's also a memory machine, right? Like, like if you think about the way we used to have DVDs and, and record players and records, like your kids used to come in and go, hey, what's this record? Sergeant Peppers, right? Now they have to, you have to go, hey, you should listen to this series of digital sounds that is Sergeant Peppers. <laughs> and here's the looking cover of it. And you're like, ah. like instead this thing goes, you know, on my thing, you'll go, well, he, he likes Sergeant, my kid will be like, oh, you like Sergeant Peppers. Okay. And you, you can look it up and it, it's there forever instead of, you know, now that the DVDs are gone, there's just no way to, you know, there's no way. By the way, there's no Sergeant Pepper Pepper. There's no they didn't do that. Pepper, pepper. I mean, that's. Such... I mean, you. I mean, you want to talk? That might be the biggest missed opportunity. Oh my god! I. I, I mean, mean, think about it. I hate to compliment you in the middle of this, but that was a great callback. <laughs> <laughs> it's what we do. It's what we there, do. We're, we're always paying attention it's here. What we do. You know the only thing I ever let interrupt my podcast? My dog. Take a minute now, please. Pet your dog while you learn about Bark, the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. Every toy is tailored to your pup's size and play style. From squeaky plush toys from BarkBox to ultra-tough, durable ones from Super Chewer. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Each box is inspired by a new theme and comes with fun surprises for you and your dog. For a limited time, they'll double your first box of goodies for free. I love making my dogs happy. Love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. And my dogs are obsessed with their chewable toys. BarkBox offers treats, keep my dogs healthy, and amazing new toys that keep my dogs entertained. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin-softening body wash and scents like Redwood, Wildland, and Stone. And an extra high-quality, amazing-smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. It's all good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash rob. That's harrys.com slash rob for a $3 trial set. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high-performance TVs. They're certainly out here, there. But when I, when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's, I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, Comedy, Yacht Rock, let's go. Little little Steely Dan going in your Kia, come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. 
Kia, movement that inspires. Have you watched some? Have you watched something navigate through the process that that's different now that, that that you've created this amazing app? It's just starting to get some some critical mass. But what's what's really okay? I'll tell you this: you go to a dinner party, you're sitting there, someone's like, "Hey, you should watch this really funny uh, show on the BBC Three. and you're like, "Oh, okay," and you type it into your phone, and, and then it just disappears, or you forget it, or whatever. And then you're at home, you're like, "What should I watch?" You're like, "Oh, I had a note about the BBC Three. This thing has um, a tri-vault, right? So if you see something that I recommend you haven't seen, you click a ribbon and it goes into your tri-vault. And then when you're at home on Friday night thinking, what should we watch? You just look through your tri-vault and you're like, oh yeah, that thing, that thing. What a great idea. I've seen all sorts of cool, like you're like, oh, that sounds like a really cool book. I'll put it in my tri-vault. And yeah, I've I've watched, you know, know, it's, it's like this melding of like minds almost, right? You start to see, well, this person agrees with you on these 10 movies and they've also watched these other four. Maybe, maybe we'll, you know, maybe I'll like this. I, I am, when I'm bored on a set, I'll peruse my list of favorite movies, which is getting pretty lengthy. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing is like, if you're into that kind of stuff and then you know, and I noticed that the very first movie you mentioned in terms of what you like was Goodfellas, which is my number one favorite movie of all time as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, Goodfellas is that incredible combination of of funny and dangerous and real and violent and funny. Uh, Super funny. Uh, you know, the, the other movie that I feel like fits in that world is 48 Hours. It's, oh, you know, it's yes. Like, there's never been, <laughs> that that might. I mean, I can't, you know, is that my favorite movie? Maybe. Is Goodfellas? Maybe. You know, you know, Reservoir Dogs is another one. You're like, that movie. Wow. Funny and violent. Yeah, 48 Hours. Boy, I forgot about that. I remember I watched the hell out of that movie. That movie was early VHS. Very, very early VHS. I remember being in the theater opening night, 48 Hours in Westwood. You know, that opening sequence in 48 Hours in the theater played like you were going to have a heart attack. Oh, it boy. was super intense. So the cop staggers down the stairs and he's been shot in the chest. That's right. And he, It's and a comedy. By the way, sounds hilarious, doesn't it? Cops like, give him, you know, drop the weapon. And, and the, guy, the, guy's, the guy's shaking. And Nolte's like, don't, you know, don't drop it. And he goes, Aah. I mean, it's just incredible. Uh, how great is Nick Nolte? I love Nick Nolte. I love him. I love him mostly. I mean, I love him in Cape Fear. I love him in the remake Cape Fear. I love him in that movie. I always loved Nick Nolte. I was, you know, he, that, yes, that one headshot uh, mugshot is also part of his thing, but I don't, oh, yeah. I don't really care. I don't really By care. the way, I lived in Malibu for years. That's what he looked like. Yeah. <laughs> I was at the at the market probably getting beer with, with Charlie Sheen. And we ran into Nick Nolte and Nolte's like, hey, man, how's your dad, how's your dad doing? And he's got, he's, he's, he's carrying more beer than I ever thought about carrying. Uh-huh. And Charlie goes, hey, he's not here. He's down. He's out of town. He goes, oh, yeah, is he shooting a picture? Because no, no, he's, uh, he's um, protesting uh, with the Sandinistas down in Nicaragua. <laughs> and Nolte goes, Nicaragua, Nicaragua, and stumbles back into a display of canned beans and falls over. So I always, whenever I hear Nicaragua, <laughs> Nicaragua. <laughs> That's a man living his true life that you would really fall into a canopy. It's, it's incredible. It's my favorite. It's such a good, that's what growing up in Malibu was like in the, in the late seventies and into the, End of the eighties. I, I mean, I, I, I read that that first book years, which talks about all that. It's such a it such feels like such a wild, free, like unrestrained childhood. I mean, after you moved from Ohio, I've I've I. It's my life's dream to figure out w- how I can more fully and in more in depth properly tell that story. Is it a is it another book? Is it a podcast? Is it a miniseries? Is it a movie? I don't know. I, I haven't cracked it yet. And I, there's been a lot of starts and stops and abortive attempts to do it 
but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. If you um, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you have if you have any interest in my talents on this, I would love to do this. Like a uh, 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 a mini series would be so. I mean, didn't they ride a lot of horses riding around there back oh, then? Oh, well, know? it's funny you say that because that's the the. I know one thing. I know the first image is all all of the cars. Vintage cars parking at the at the Nicaragua, um, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, shopping center. Right. And then you you pan and there's this beautiful surfer girl riding a horse in a bikini bareback oh. and tying it up and tying it up to the hitching post <laughs> that was there. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. And you go, oh, this is you go. I know what this place is. This might be heaven. And that was probably around the era of Dogtown and Z Boys. Uh, it was. It was. Then I knew all those guys. There yeah. was. There was. Oh yeah. In the, in the darkness of the story, one of the guys, the first guy I ever knew who had a poster of himself, <laughs> was a, a skateboarder named Paul Hackett, and he also took every girlfriend. Hmm that I ever attempted. And I, I had no game. Right. Yeah, I was, I was a theater geek in a time when it, it wasn't cool. There was no C- CW. There were no young people acting. I yeah. was like, they questioned my virility. Sure. Very, very strongly. <laughs> so if, if you were a skateboarder or a surfer or God forbid, a beach volleyball player, none of which, none of which I did in Ohio, you, you scored mm-hmm. all the time. So I was floundering, but Paul Hackett, man, he was the man and he was the, he invented the, what they call the aerial, at least in those days, where, where you would, you know, skate in a pool and get air. Uh-huh. And then there was that skateboarder magazine picture where you'd be holding the board uh-huh. in the air and you'd that was him with the hair and the blue eyes and, and ended up in a in a institution for the criminally insane. That's the kind of stuff by the way, those are the throwaways. I've got ten of them from growing up in Malibu that are I, like that. I love that story. Oh, and and there's a whole big prequel to it that I will not tell publicly, but I would put in the movie that is yeah. just even, even as disturbing. It's good. It's good fellas. It's dark, weirdly funny, tragic, all that stuff. If a movie like uh fast times Ridgemont high can work um, in, in terms of how the narrative structure of that movie was, then this, this can work. I, you know, I mean, I, I think the key is just trying to figure out how to. Uh, we're having a meeting now. Uh, the I know. Story, I know. <laughs> just find the stories, stitch them together, find the lead, and kind of you know work it all. You know, it could be like um, uh, Days and Confused, right? Or you know. Yes. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Or it, it's it, the other. And the other thing you and I have always talked about doing together is to do like a hard, hard yeah. joke airplane, yeah, esque comedy where it's just hard. Yeah. jokes why why shouldn't we be the ones there to reap the, the rewards but i mean it's also a fact that we're fans of that era of movies where you make any joke you want to uh and 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 stand behind the joke and go yeah we made it i mean like it doesn't have to be cruel it doesn't have to be mean to any individual person but you can make some really hard jokes that you know i talked to a lot of people about comedy and they're like i don't know if you can make that joke and i'm like you can make that joke if you stand behind the mic and go yeah i made the joke yeah and it's funny and let's move on and i do i really do believe someone and and you know what it'll be it'll be the new broken lizard it'll be some guys with nothing here's the key with nothing to lose that's right that's, That's really right. what it's going to be. It'll be a bunch of men and women who have nothing to lose, who come together and say, to hell with all this. And they make an audacious, breathtaking, I can't believe they went there, balls out comedy, and it will be a sensation. And that will break the dam. If you're trying to talk me into it, you just have. Can I um, talk about um, two things quickly? Yeah. Uh, you asked me what Broken Lizard was up to. We made a movie called Quasi, uh, which is for Quasimodo, and um, it's set in 13th century France. And it's uh, my, our friend Steve Lemmy plays a hunchback, and he gets caught in a political assassination thriller between me, who plays the King of France, and Paul Soder, who plays the Pope. It's a full-on Monty Python movie. And I'm, I'm like, I'm in a wig and tights Amazing. and sword. And I'm like, I'm in a Python movie. And and when people see it, they'll go, hey, they're not as good as Python. And I'll go, I agree. But it's a, it's a good, it's really, it really turned out well. And I'm, I'm really proud of it. That's going to come out on Hulu at some point. 
Oh my uh, god, amazing! Uh, where did the, where did you where did you shoot this? Because you always sh- have interesting locations. Well, this one we ended up shooting in um, Santa Clarita, California. Yes, of course, uh, and we yes. did a day in uh, in Ireland. But um, you know, like it, it, I always say, good great comedies happen out of town. But this one actually happened in town. Uh, and the other thing I, uh, that I have, which is, is I made a movie with Joe Coy, uh, who I believe, oh, yes, yeah, so Joe. Yeah, I love Joe. Yeah, I know that. So Joe, Joe, for those of you who don't know him, is the biggest ticket selling comic in show business. He he sells out fifty six thousand seats in L A., thirty eight thousand in Seattle. He's got three specials on Netflix, and one of them during the pandemic, uh, Steven Spielberg saw and said, "That guy, let's make a movie with that guy." And so they called me. Amblin called me, and they said, "Hey, we have a window in May, June. This is during the pandemic." That's when Joe can shoot a movie. Can you go up to Vancouver and figure it out? And so uh, I went up there and I, uh, you know, I, I hired a, a new writer. And with the old writer, we kind of hatched up a new script that was about Joe, Joe Coy's first movie, which is sort of wrapped around his stand up and his mom and all the imitations he does. And we made this, you know, like, you know, what I think is a really funny, great movie with Joe Coy and Universal is going to put it out theatrically on August 5th uh, coming up. And we are the only wide release theatrical comedy this summer. Can you, that believe, is, can you believe that? That is, re- that, that's really amazing. And Joe's, I mean, listen, he's so funny. He was a great guest. Yeah. Um, and did, well, you got to give me a Steven Spielberg. I mean, I can't let you off the hook without a Spielberg story. Cause I have, I have, I have one, I have, well, I've, well, g- give me yours and then I'll, I can. I, you know, it, the interesting thing about the pandemic and the sad thing about the pandemic is he and I have never been in the same room. And so we were supposed to be editing the movie with him editing upstairs and me editing downstairs. And supposedly we'd come in and go, oh, well, let me run, run this reel for me. Yeah. And that didn't happen. But Damn. while I was shooting uh, the first day, uh, Joe wanted to wear a um, an L.A. Dodgers hat. Uh, and I'm like. All right. I mean, you know, like I, I got word that it made him feel comfortable and safe. And I was like, you know, it's his first day on a movie set ever. Fine, you can wear the Dodger hat. And, uh, and he's great. His first day, I, I had to coach him a little bit. Try this, try that. And, you know, like, you know, the big thing is he's a stand-up. So he's constantly used to being entertaining all the time. And I said, he was in a, in a um, scene with Jimmy O. Yang, uh, who um, was, he played the guy in Silicon Valley. He was like the Chinese roommate. I don't know if you remember that guy. Yeah, I love that show. Right. So, so when Jimmy was telling jokes, Joe was like, you know, acting and performing. And I said, hey, hey, let me just tell you something. In the stand-up stage, you're 100%. Everyone's looking at you. In this, we're looking at Jimmy. Then we're looking at you. We're looking at Jimmy. We're looking at you. Don't be big acting while he's delivering the jokes. And he goes, ah, okay. And then he, from then on, he was, he got it. He's a very smart guy. So he wears this Dodger hat. And the next day, I get a message from Steven Spielberg. And it says, movie stars don't wear hats. Oh. And I was like, got it. And I said, Joe, you coming out of this scene? We're shooting the next scene. Take the hat off. Movie stars don't wear hats. And, uh, you know, like that was one. The other one was like, oh. we, you know, I know. It's so great. I love Movie it. Movie stars don't wear hats. Steven Spielberg. I know. And by the way. Well, uh, by the way, there's the title for this. I know that's the title of this podcast right there. <laughs> there you go. And then, you know, the other thing was I, you know, I was going to cast uh, an, an actor an actress to play a certain role. And I had a deal at Warner Brothers. And at Warner Brothers, they were always like, just cast the most famous person. And then you're you're like the acting coach. Teach them how to act. And I'm like, right. yeah, okay. I get it. I get how the studio game works. So I was getting ready to cast this most famous person for this role. And I get a message from Mr. Spielberg who's like, what about the third woman on the tape? And I'm like... Yeah, I mean, she's obviously the best actress, but she's not as famous as the woman. And he goes, so cast the best actress. And I was like, right, exactly. Yeah, well, but meanwhile, Steven Spielberg gets to do whatever he wants. Yeah, and in casting that actress made the movie into the movie that it is. Like, his instinct for it was just so dead on. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm making a movie for a filmmaker-run company. Oh, yes, I got to remember that. I was on the lot on the Fox lot. And you know, you, we, I don't know if we've worked together long enough to where you've seen me get cranky. 
but I can get cranky. And at the end of uh, a season of 911 Lone Star, I'm super cranky. It's a really tough show to do. It's a great show, but yeah. it is hard. And the lot is packed. There's trucks everywhere. There's cars. People aren't paying attention. I've got to get to another stage. I'm being in, in a golf cart. We can't get around the traffic. It's like, it's one thing to have traffic in the world, but on a lot, it should be about making movies. Yeah. That's what it's there for. And there's a car in front of me, like a civilian car, just parked, just sitting there. I can't get around. I can't. I'm like, what is this fucking guy doing? And I, and I, lose it and I get up and I run to the window I go hey what are you you doing here Mr. Steven Spielberg <laughs> and it's it's Steven and he's like trying to figure out where he is on the lot and we ta- we had this wonderful talk he was going to look at his the first cut of Indiana the new Indiana Jones and he, and he's the nicest I will tell you in my experience Paul McCartney and Steven Spielberg are the two most humble, nicest, most accessible. You'd never know who they are to talk to them. The best, the absolute best. Do you I mean, think, I mean, he's such a, such a, like a student of human emotion. Do you think he saw how angry you were as you approached? No, thank God he was looking down at his phone. <laughs> and the window was closed. Thank God. I, I can think of nothing more mortifying than being irritated at Steven Spielberg on a movie lot. You know, I'd, I should I should uh, kill myself. It's, it's I, I always I always the reason I'm able to I mean, I, I believe that the reason I'm able to continue to make movies and do all these things is because I, I'm constantly I'm, I'm under the belief that I'm on the verge of being kicked out of show business. Yes. And what you almost did might oh, even get bro. you kicked out of show business. Y- yes. Even after however many decades, he's the he's the guy. He's the made man. He's the yeah. he's it. He's yeah. the guy. He's the mayor of show business. Yeah, and justifiably so. Yeah. Unbelievable. What a, what an exciting time. Oh, I love that man. Such a lovely man. Movie stars don't wear hats. From Steven Spielberg. Wait a minute. Indiana Jones. Hat, uh, movie star. Do you think he must have meant movie stars don't wear baseball caps? That has to be it. Because cowboy hats, I mean, listen, John Wayne, you know, all good. Interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to spend a little more time thinking about this if you y'all don't mind. Uh, and while I do that, let's check the lowdown line. Hello, you've reached literally. And our lowdown line, where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hey, Rob. This is Tiffany from Iowa. I was just watching Parks and Rec, and I was just thinking that I think that that is the best ending of a show that I've ever seen. I was wondering if you agreed because I enjoyed all the happy endings and I think that um, all of the characters really progressed with their storyline and I was wondering how you felt about that. Anyways, this is just a millennial loving Rob Lowe. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Bye. Oh, you millennial Tiffany, you. Thank you for that. I, I appreciate your support and and all of that. I really, truly do. Um, and by the way, I hope you're listening to Parks and Recollection, um, my podcast with Alan Yang, who um, wrote on the series the entire time, where we break down every episode. Um, it's super fun. Um, yeah, the, the, you know what? It's such a satisfying ending to that show. I agree with you. It's... Um, I think season finales really only go one or two ways. They're either disastrous or they're great. Um, and then they're the ones that people feel like are, are torn about. I loved the Sopranos season finale. And a lot of people hated it. I loved it. But that was great. Loved everything about it. Um, but Parks and Rec, you know, it, it fulfilled on the promise of the show, which is um, feel good. Um, as you say, happy endings to the characters' storylines. Um, what's interesting about it is 
it it was done right at the beginning of the reboot phenomenon. Like, let's bring back Will and Grace after a billion years or whatever. And I think that, well, I know Mike Schur did it in a way that prevented any reboot. So that's why it fast forwards to so many years after the life of the show was to kind of make it tough that if anybody came in with a check so big that we all held our nose and <laughs> decided to go back and do it again, that we couldn't do it. So that's a little inside baseball on that. Um, but yeah, thank you. Um, thanks for the, for the watch, the listen and, um, keep it up. Thank you so much. Um, don't forget to, uh, you know, subscribe to the rest of our season here and five-star review on Apple, um, would be a wonderful thing if you wouldn't mind throwing your hat, see what I did there, uh, into the ring. Um, and I will see you next week on Literally. You've been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe, produced by me, Rob Schulte, with help from associate producer Sarah Bagar. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. Our research is done by Alyssa Grawl. The podcast is executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Adam Sachs, Jeff Ross, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. All of the music you hear is by Devin Bryant. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Literally with Rob Lowe. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.